0: We are Bike Welcome to another episode of the Ace of Spades Dynasty League Pod Turn
1: this shit up please
0: Y'all know who the fuck it is man It's the host With the most Cam, A.K.A. the Dynasty Demigod A.K.A the ace of spades thanos aka the nigga with four of them thanks aka the 2021 crackhead of the year kurt i'm in 50 leagues brother y'all know i'm not alone i'm joined by the co-host extraordinaire kurt A.K.A. Kurt Cashy. A.K.A. the Ace of Spades, 2020 World Champion, A.K.A. Danny's Big Homie, A.K.A. Mister Take Your Best Player, Send You Into a Rebuild, and Make You Call It a Quit. Kurt, what's good? It's a word, bro. Chilling, bro. Kurt, when's the last time you were on Ace of Spades pod, bro? It seems like it's been like... Almost a month.
1: Yeah, it's been a while, but I think I was on the the last one that you did before the Chris one. Pretty sure.
0: I was I think that was like three weeks ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. I was, I was sick. You were sick. I, know. I was out of town, you know. But yeah. I am back, bro. I am happy to be back too.
0: Yeah, happy to have you back, bro. I talked about this on the podcast with Chris uh, when we recorded last week. But did you have an opportunity to catch any of the preseason action? And if you did, what were your biggest takeaways or who did you enjoy watching uh during the preseason?
1: I'm gonna be honest, i like I watched some I watched some of the preseason, but I don't know. The 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 uh the game that excited me the most though was watching Jameis and uh Marquez Callaway, if I'm being <laughs> honest. Jameis yeah. was out there letting that motherfucker fly, bro. I appreciate this.
0: seeing that. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be nice to see. Um a Sean Payton offense that can actually push the ball down the field. So yeah, I'm 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 with you there, bro. I'm pretty I'm pretty excited to see that offense as well. What are your thoughts on Callaway? As you know, I know we expect him to be uh pretty profitable for the people who were early on him in redraft, but what do you think about him so far from a dynasty perspective?
1: I mean I don't know you know he's like a second year wide receiver um I I didn't even really know who he was like last year uh I like saw him I think he might have been on Justin's roster or whatever mm-hmm. but it's a, you know the Saints man, it's just weird because I can't think of the last time maybe like e- Emmanuel Sa- Sanders I, no cuz that was last year he wasn't it, they don't really ever have like two fantasy relevant like wide receivers at the same time it's usually just like Michael Thomas so yeah. uh I I don't really know I mean but it will be it will be interesting to see what what that offense looks like too with Jameis because I know that Jameis can and will support like two two wide receivers you know so uh I mean if he's going to be tethered to that Saints offense like for the future and uh, you know, they spread the ball around, and it's not just like the Michael Thomas and Kamara show going forward. I mean, Marquez Calloway could be—he could be something.
0: Yeah, I heard he some. Yeah, he 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 can definitely play. I heard some guys that uh do a lot of high-stakes drafts. They jumped on a podcast and they were talking about the the potential of Marquez Calloway, like finally being, you know, that number two wide receiver. Uh, that the Saints offense has been missing for quite some time. I don't know how that affects like Michael Thomas and Khmer, like their opportunity share or anything like that, but the offense as a whole should be able to run more efficiently, like if that guy emerges as a true, uh, like complimentary receiver in that offense. So I'm pretty excited about that. But back to the, like the Saints offense as a whole, man, the, the whole Jameis scenario is pretty interesting because you have to expect with the money that they're paying Taysom Hill as this, um, gadget player in the Saints' offense, he's probably going to take some opportunities away from Jameis that we don't want to see for fantasy purposes. You know what I'm saying? For
1: sure. Uh, and Taysom Hill is, I mean, bro, legitimately the most annoying person Gotta in be. fantasy. Gotta be. Like, man, as a Camaro owner, you get you see them drive all the way down to the field, and then you see this fucking quarterback come in the game and punch the ball in on the goal mm-hmm. line. It's like so irritating, bro. <laughs>
0: No, 100%, super irritating, so we'll we'll see, you know, I just don't know what Jameis' outlook is from a fantasy perspective in terms of, you know, his ceiling, because, you know, we have to expect Taysom Hill takes away some uh, scoring opportunities for him. Anyway, let's start this podcast off, or start our segments off like we always do with some NFL news and notes. There isn't much of it, which is why it took a bit longer on in the intro, but we got Quadre Allison as a surprise cut from the Atlanta Falcons, and they sign... Wayne Gallman, who was recently cut by the San Francisco 49ers. And the reason this is interesting to me is because neither one of those teams had a ton of RB depth. San Francisco wasn't rolling with as much RB depth as they did last year. I think they just have Trey Sermon, Raheem Mostert, Jermichael Hasty, and Jeff Wilson, who is on IR. And the Atlanta Falcons have Mike Davis, and that, that, was, that was pretty much it. So do you think Wayne Gallman is significant in terms of what he's going to squeeze out opportunity-wise against Mike Davis? Like, will he have standalone value? Do you think this will be some type of committee? Or do you think this signals that Mike Davis is going to have his 80% Christian McCaffrey role like he did uh, uh, last year when he was playing uh, for the Carolina Panthers? I
1: actually think that Wayne Gallman is going to have, like, a little bit of a role. He was productive when he played uh, for the Giants last year. Um so I don't think they brought him in to, you know, use Mike Davis as like the I mean, I think Mike Davis is definitely the lead back there, but I don't know if it's gonna be eighty eighty percent
0: is I, I don't know about that. <laughs> 80, yeah, he's, know bro, true. Mike Davis is eighty percent CMC, bro. I mean we we seen <laughs> it. Uh but yeah, Wayne Gallman, he's intriguing, bro, as like a zero R B. Uh, like a uh, flyer towards the end of drafts, just because they don't have anything there except Mike Davis. But I, I don't know how good this offense is going to be at running the ball as a whole. So I'm trying not to get super, super excited. Uh, so, so we'll have to see how it pans out. Um, hold on, Kurt. I just got sniped for uh, Brandon Ayuk in this draft.
1: I was gonna ask you too, man. Like. Did the Niners cut Elijah Mitchell, or is he still there?
0: Oh yeah, dude, I forgot all about him. Kurt, you know what? He's there. He's their fourth RB because um, Jeff Wilson's on IR.
1: Yeah, so they still do have like a lot of running backs there. Um, That's gonna be, but I, you know that that situation, I probably see like being uh more of a two-man type of operation going on in San Francisco but yeah I mean I, like uh yeah the the Mike Davis thing he should be like the clear number one and Goldman should be the number two but I think you know what I can say about Goldman um that I can't necessarily say about Allison is that he's actually like been productive when he got touches like and you know, in real games, I no, know, for sure. Allison o- is always this person who, like, it's <laughs> this camp hype, you know, like every year, or well, at least the last two. And uh, yeah, he, he's never like really a factor when the season starts. So,
0: bro, he's he's one of those NCAA created players, bro. We only, Kurt, we only hear about Quadri Allison, we never see him.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: He's uh, a you know, he's he's the man, the myth, the legend. All right, bro. Next news item, bro, the last news item, Royce Freeman. He got Chris's hopes up again. We'll talk about this on, you know, maybe we'll talk about this on the Ace of Spades historical draft misses segment that we'll do in a bit. But Chris got excited because he drafted Royce Freeman in the first round of one of our rookie drafts a few years ago. And Royce Freeman was finally... Released from the Denver Broncos. This is something that Chris has been asking for for quite some time. He gets released and he goes to play the 8% CMC role in Carolina.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I mean, hey, man. Royce Freeman, it's just not going to happen for him. I don't think, man. I, <laughs> I mean, it's unfortunate. You yeah. Know, but like, I kind of, I kind of like, so I've actually watched the uh, Denver play. I've seen him get touches and I'm like, man, this dude doesn't look that bad. But to me, if they invested a draft pick in him and then he lost like all of his touches or most of his touches to like the undrafted free agent, like Phillip Lindsay, mm-hmm. maybe he's just not that good. Man, That's just kind of, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he's, he might go to Carolina, bro. And, um, you know, like, let's say hypothetically something happened to CMC again where he misses some games. And you might see this dude not even get touches over Chuba Hubbard or something, bro. Like, I mean, <laughs> you just never know. Like, I don't know. Royce Freeman is just not a thing, man. I don't think.
0: I don't I don't think he is either, man. I mean, they went out and paid Melvin Gordon a bunch of money last year instead of giving him an increased role. And then he pretty much disappeared behind the Melvin Gordon-Philip Lindsay duo. So it's not looking good for his, you know – Dynasty prospects in the future. But Chris wasn't wrong to take a shot on him with the, with the fab that he spent in hopes that he actually like carved out a role somewhere. I was hoping it would be Atlanta, but it wasn't. All right, Kurt, let's get into the main segment of the show or one of the main segments. We're going to talk about our first look at the 2021 power rankings for the Ace of Spades Dynasty League. Should we start from 1 and go to 12, or should we start at 12 and go to 1?
1: Start at 12 and go to 1.
0: I'm going to let you kick this off because we're starting at 12, and I'm I'm on the clock again about to make a pick. And this team we're about to talk about is is pretty funny, so I'll let you kick it off with, with V's and where he stands, and uh, we can go up the list and, and get to our number one ranked team going into the 2021 season.
1: Yeah, man. So holding it down at that twelve spot is V's. Um, you know, this is no 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 slight to V's. He just recently inherited this team, so it's not his fault. Like the state that the team is in, but you know, when we used to do our GM rankings or when we did that, like in previous previous segments, Tay Brown would always be the worst ranked GM. He's the worst GM in the league, and that's the team that. <laughs> you know uh vs inherited so uh i like some of the moves that he's made since he's had the team but right now just looking at the ways is constructed i don't even know if he'll win a game but that's that might not be a bad thing for him he 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 needs to uh lose out and and get that that high draft pick i know he gets the compensatory but like
0: the number one yeah he should have the number one compensatory that's based on uh, standings as well, but I—I I mean, he's—I don't think he set his lineup yet, but he's—he's he's projected to score like sixty points with like eighty percent of his lineup set. So, I mean, this—he's not—he's not, he's not going to win any games. I think you—you you hit the nail on the head when you talked about how he inherited this team, so this isn't—you know, this isn't his project. He's—he's he's rebuilding this, and he's actually done a really good job um with some of the moves that he's made since he's been in the league, but. He's he's really got his work cut out for him, bro. You mentioned this offline before we even started talking about recording the pod. This is you know this may be the worst dynasty team I've ever seen, <laughs> and and Tabron did that to this team, and and he left, and he had the nerve to be on some. The last time you're gonna see a bad
1: guy like
0: this again, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> he, I mean, he really thought he was that guy, bro. Uh, he really thought he was nasty. I'm just sitting here like, How's Bro, like you pieced together like some of the oldest teams in dynasty over the past few years, and he was able to make the playoffs with those with those teams. But they were just so proper, uh, improperly constructed, Kurt. We called this for a few seasons that this team was going to fall off a hard cliff, and unfortunately, that happened when somebody else took over the team. Anyway, Kurt, we're at about fifteen minutes now. I'm actually going to stop the podcast here because I hear uh, Bash whining in the background. So let me take him out. So we'll stop it at fourteen minutes, and we'll wrap up the last fifteen when I come back. Yeah. I We bike for part two of the podcast. Where do we leave off, bro? We're still talking about Visa's team, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> He's not trying to win any games. We don't have to spend too much time on uh the 12th place team. But, yeah, I, I expect him to go uh, 0-13 on the season, bro, which is perfect for him. It'll line up that number one overall pick. These next few teams, I hope nobody takes these rankings personally, but – They're all kind of, like, in the same tier, bro. Like, wouldn't you say?
1: I would say so, yeah. Yeah, I would say so.
0: So, I I think the way I have it listed is I have Chris at 11. So, we could take a few minutes to talk about Chris's team. Um, Chris had a really good rookie draft where he was able to pick up Terrace Marshall, Rondell Moore, and Trey Lance. So, I think his opportunity to build a better team down the line is really good. But when you take a look at a starting lineup, Kirk, I just I there there really is really isn't a lot of upside there. So I, I don't know how many games we can count on Chris reasonably winning in the 2021 season. Did you have any additional thoughts on that? Or do you think this is too low just right? Or, you know, you know what what do you think about Chris's team?
1: Uh I mean, I, I think I like the disclaimer at the beginning, you know, just because we're listing him here at eleven. It's just <clears throat> more so uh indicative of the tier that he's in and not necessarily like you know a prediction about where he'll place like it's kind of a toss-up there but i i don't yeah i i agree with what you said i don't really think that like uh you know he'll have an opportunity to win a lot of games this year
0: yeah it's just yeah, it's yeah it's it's tough because he has some Players on this team that are actually going to put up points. Like he has a couple good receivers. You know, Cortland Sutton. Uh, he has Kenny Galladay. Uh, I know he has Javante Williams. Like he he could he could be you know he could finish eighth or ninth. You know, so that, like I said, these these guys are pretty much in the same tier. But uh, it feels weird to have him this low because you know I think he's done better uh, building his team up from where it was. You know, at the beginning of the last year. So. At number ten, I got Anthony, bro. Any final thoughts on Chris before we get into the next team here?
1: No, nah, man. I think we we summed it up.
0: All right. So wh- why don't you talk about Anthony's team? This is a, this is another orphan. What, what are your thoughts on this team, and do you think the placement is right coming in at number ten in our power rankings?
1: Yeah, you, um, I think the placement is, is correct. Uh, he has a few play, like a, a few players that are really good, but you know, again, it's like um with the league format like how many players that we have to have to start uh I, I don't think that his good players are good enough to, to to carry his team um I don't it doesn't look like he has like a viable option um to put in his second super flex so um yeah I mean he, he's gonna lose games too you know uh, so the, around his range like, like I could easily see him finish in, like, a, an 11th place, too, you know. Uh, so, um, yeah, 10-11, that's, that's about right for for his team.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. I think the you know, it's it's six-point per passing touchdown super flex, and he's got, you know, we don't even need to mention who he's got there, but he doesn't have a quarterback in his super flex. You know, it's just going to be difficult for him to produce enough points to compete with, you know, the playoff teams that are kind of built out. I think with this team, man, he should be looking to sell those, like, Gus Edwards-type assets, those those players that are probably going to be able to contribute to help somebody win games this year, and mm. he should be focusing more on, you know, getting some long-term assets around, like, T. Higgins and Lamar Jackson and Bateman, because he, he has really good players on his team. They're just kind of spread out and mismatched with some of the aging veterans on his team. He should really be pushing to sell those dudes in my opinion. Uh, I would agree with that. Yeah, so... um Coming in at number 9 in our power rankings for the 2021 season, we got Buck. And Bucks done a real good job turning some of the aging players on his roster. He was able to flip Joe Mixon for Chase Claypool. I know that's a player he's pretty high on and then he was able to send Matt Ryan away to you for 2023 first round pick and I think you did this to yourself. We have been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok, and flat out deceived. Any thoughts on Buck's team, Kurt?
1: Um, not, not really. I mean, I think he's, you know, I think Buck is a, a good GM, so I think he knows what he's doing with his team. Uh, but again, I, I don't think he's going to win like a, like a lot of games, but. I think he's he like the moves that he's made like flipping uh <laughs> flipping the, the the older players for uh younger assets. I think that's that's a smart strategy uh for his team built.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and just disclaimer like we said at the beginning, of these power rankings, most of these teams at the bottom, if not all these teams at the bottom, you know, they're not trying to win any games. Yeah. So. You know, just keep that in mind as we're going through. This is not, like, an insult to these guys. These are power rankings just based on how we think these teams are going to perform in the 2021 season. doesn't have anything to do with their dynasty strategy. Coming into number eight, we have Rio. Rio's an interesting team because I thought he had, you know, a set strategy baked out. Uh, then he takes his first-round pick from 2021, Javante Williams, and adds a second to him to get Ezekiel Elliott, which... I mean, you have to think helps his win rate for the 2021 season and Rio owns his first round pick. So I'm not sure that helps his overarching strategy real quick. What do you think about Rio's team this season? And do you think he's still going down the right path?
1: Um, the Z trade no, uh, was, was not going down the right path. If you know, if the plan is to is to rebuild, you know, uh, I think you hold on to the rookie back in, in this in this instance. If if you know, if the strategy is to to rebuild, but uh, I mean, yeah, he. I mean, he should be able to win some some games this year, but you know, um, I think at this point the strategy should be to to not win games. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, he owns his first round pick. This team obviously doesn't have enough firepower to compete with the teams that we're going to talk about uh, towards the towards the top of the ranking. So I mentioned that in the last pod. You know, that was that was a bit of a, a head-scratcher for me. But um, overall, this is like a team that's just on the outside looking in in terms of um, point production for, like, top six teams. So it'll be interesting to see the next few moves – Rio makes with his team, and if he decides to send some of those future draft picks he has for more players, kind of aligning with what he did, you know, getting getting Zeke in the first place. Um, coming in at number seven, bro, got Burke here. Uh, this was a team that's kind of switched strategies on me, at least, at least, you know, based on what I perceived his goal being to play the long game. And then he seemed to kind of shift more towards, you know, a win now approach with his team. Um, So based on the moves that he's made and based on his current roster build, you know, I've got him right, you know, as a fringe playoff team, like outside looking in in terms of of the playoff push or the playoff team. So what do you think about Burke's team and where he stands and, you know, what his chances are uh, to make the playoffs this season?
1: Um. Yeah, I, I agree with this with this ranking. I think he's uh, got a team that's good enough to, you know, be in the mix for a playoff spot. Uh, I don't think that he's really a threat to, you know, the top teams uh, with this with this roster, but he should be able to win enough games to, to compete for a playoff spot. And, you know, um, I agree with what you said too. like it. It um some of his later moves kind of uh you know, gave me a different impression than I had uh at first. you know, what I thought he was doing with his team. But um yeah, it's you know, it's a it's a middle middle pack team, I think, right now.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's firmly in the middle of the pack, man. I I, I it's not a team to get excited about, but you know, Burke is another team that, that he's another GM that took over an orphan. So, um you know, he's kinda of working with what he's got, but he's been one of the more active GMs since he's been in the league. So it'll be interesting to see what his approach is going throughout the rest of the season. Um coming to number six, bro. this is the lowest I think we've ever had this guy ranked, man. We got we got Justin here at number six as the last team in to the playoffs. So I'll turn it over to you and give you a few minutes to talk about Justin and you know what his opportunity is to to make a another championship push. He's he's been one of the more familiar faces in deep playoff runs over the past few years. And this may be the first season where, you know, I can, I can pretty confidently say that he has a lot of work to do if he wants to get back into that championship discussion. So where are you at with Justin's team and his, his opportunity this year?
1: Um, I'm exactly, you know, where you just described it. I, I don't really think that his team is necessarily good enough to um, be in a championship mix, but I definitely think he has like a playoff team um he got some really good players uh I, I actually like some of the moves that he's made recently too so I think um I think he has an idea of what it is that he's trying to do um but yeah I think for the first time in a while I I can confidently say like not really you know um not really a threat to like the top three, three or four teams in my opinion
0: yeah, definitely. Yeah, the three four teams are, are pretty good. I think I think you could make the case between uh Justin and Tyreek for like last team in, like who's fifth, who's sixth. I think those teams are pretty close. They're they're both pretty well constructed. I just think um, Tyreek's team has a bit more firepower. Uh so let's just segue right into his team. Um we got him ranked number five coming into the season. This is a team that was taken over that we weren't, weren't sure whether or not the GM would come in and try to go into more of a rebuild and kind of sell off some of those premium assets or, you know, try to make a playoff push and go for a championship. Hey, actually, real quick, bro, because I just fin- I just finished this uh, this draft that I've been doing multitasking during this draft, this uh, um, redraft over here. But hey, Tyreek, think I'm pussy or something, bro. I don't know, bro. Why you say that? I mean, this motherfucker like I I was like, "Hey, what's good with Hill, He talking about some Simi Gibson and and McLaurin like, "What what's good with dude?" Like he think he think I'm a bitch or something? Like, he, <laughs> I, hey, I don't know, man. He, that's, hey, a, Hill?
1: that's a very significant overpay.
0: Yeah, I mean, bro, we we got a few minutes, so I'm like him and Anthony A-Flow. Them niggas need to stop trying me like I'm a little thought of something, bro. Like, Anthony comes and sends me Lamar Jackson and tries to get Deshaun Watson and Justin Fields and Claude Edwards-Hilaire. And then Tyreek sending me, you know, he's trying to send me Tyreek Hill for um, Antonio Gibson and and Terry McLaurin. Like, I don't know what's to these guys, bro. Like, they're going to have to come up with some better deals in order to get some movement going in this league, bro. But I, I, I thought those two dudes, like, I, I had to hop on a podcast and, and, and mention some of those offers because... And niggas be been trying me recently, bro. I don't know if I ain't, I ain't been active like in the chats like recently, like or or active. like, really in trades, but I mean, come on, man.
1: I think you know it's it's uh they I think your yeah, your pocket's deep enough to afford the overpay, bro. That's that's <laughs> all it is. It's like, oh man, uh, and look at you over here with all of those players, bro. You could give up a little, like a little more, but I don't know. I think like <laughs> to me, man. Uh, yeah. That's a
0: significant overpay in my opinion. Bro, this is how I feel about both of them niggas offers.
1: Ha! <laughs>
0: and get, get the fuck out of here with that. But yeah, I think I think um Tyreek and his team, Magic City, uh has a good opportunity to to make a playoff push. He's got some really good players on his team, so I got him firmly like, you know, in the top six, but you can make a case for uh him or Justin. Um, you know, as, as, as French playoff teams coming number four, bro. Um, you got I got Danny, bro. He said he was perennially top three last year. And I, I think, you know, Elmo before he departed, passed him up following the, the draft that he had. But, you know, he's up here, man. Top four, top five team. You know, Danny made some moves, you know, some surprising moves just based on how he's drafted and, and strategized in the past and went out and got some players that can really help him win right now. When He went out and acquired um, Kittle, DeAndre Hopkins, Aaron Rodgers. He actually has a really good team. This is the best his team has been in the four years he's been in the league. So we got him here at number four in our power rankings. How do you feel about Danny and his chances at a championship? I think these next four teams that we're going to talk about have, you know, legitimate chances to win the league this year, depending on what breaks right for them. So, We'll start with Danny here as we wrap up this pod with the with the final three teams. What do you think about his team and his chances?
1: Uh man, I think I think Danny's team is actually uh, pretty good. Um, not necessarily the deepest, but I, I like some of his uh, like corner pieces. Um, I like I, I really like his his receivers. Uh, I know I give DJ Moore uh, like a really hard time. I like, but I like DJ Moore uh, Hopkins and. Uh, Allen Robinson, I like that. That's that's nice. <laughs> and then um, his quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford, like it should be up for them this year too. Um, so and then you know running backs, uh, you got Chris Carson, who should be solid for uh, at least twelve games, and uh, you know Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I mean, I think he has a like a like a pretty good team, and I think the addition of Kittle makes his team like a lot more dangerous because he has that. Tight end positional advantage, like even looking at his matchup against Justin Week One, right? They have Kittle projected for 25 fantasy points and Zach Ertz projected for 12. Mm-hmm. So when you have one of those like big three tight ends, it's just hard to compete with that in that tight end spot. So I think Danny, uh, Danny, Danny's built a, a pretty good team. Um, he moved away from his, uh, uh, hype youth model and uh, i think he actually has a contender right now
0: yeah he definitely has a contender man his team's really good i'm I'm glad you brought up the tight end advantage thing because that's something that i really had to push danny to 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 realize no not necessarily realize i think he always understood it he just wasn't willing to make the move to pay up to get a tight end i ultimately bailed him out by giving him like a deal on a trade but um you know, I'm I'm glad he actually moved forward and made the move because his team actually just it just looks so much better. It's so much well built than it was, you know, in the past where he would just hoard, you know, all the young low upside players as opposed to trying to build a team that could actually win games. So anyway, we'll get into these teams more in depth on another pod. But for the sake of time, we'll wrap up and round out the top three. At number three, we have an unfamiliar face, Isaiah taking over Elmo's old team. But, Kurt, this don't look like Elmo's old team, bro. So you want to take a few minutes and talk about what Isaiah's has done since he's been in the league and how he's kind of built a team that is poised for a championship run this season?
1: Yeah, I think um, he took – so, you know, Elmo built a team that was uh, – before he left, I think we considered it to be top three – but it was you know, significantly younger and usually like with the teams like that, like with, like the way his team was built, uh, you're not really too afraid of it because even though he has like the valuable assets, he didn't really have anybody who we thought like would, um, or at least in my opinion, he didn't have anybody who I thought would like uh, finish so high in the rankings that, they could like anchor him to like win a championship. That's how I felt at least like looking at his team. So um, I, I'm assuming Isaiah felt the same way uh, because he went out and he got Derrick Henry and Devontae Adams and Nick Chubb. So he p- kind of planted this flag and, Uh I think he has to push to win a championship this year with the assets that he acquired, which, you know, hey, I'm, I'm all for going for it. Uh, so a different strategy than El- than the one that Elmo had, but you know, we'll see how it works out for him. I think he still has the the third best team, but you know, he actually has a chance to to win. I feel like,
0: yeah, I think he has a I think he has a strong case to win, bro. Definitely, I agree with everything you just said, especially um, what you touched on about him going out to get those, you know, those win now assets. Uh, you know what he did to Elmo's team, bro? He said, "Yeah, I took your team. You was using it wrong." You made it a hot line. I made it a hot song. I mean, he 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 completely switched up the strategy, bro, and took some of those, you know, young assist, uh, young ascending players, and turned them into, you know, some some guys that have super like high floors, high ceilings, like guys that may not be around for as long, but they're definitely going to cont- contribute to him winning games this season. So yeah, I, I agree with everything you just just said. Um, next, the top two teams, no surprise, coming in number two, we have the defending reigning ace of spades world champion uh paid in full we got your team here bro like obviously you're coming off a championship you did make you know several moves in the off season to to kind of shift the way that your roster was built so some of the players that that helped lead you to a championship last year are no longer on the team how are you feeling about your chances going into this season and you know where does your team stand
1: uh i honestly man i felt a lot better when i had uh you know, Cam Akers, somebody who I thought would be like rb one this year. But I don't know. I mean, I should be good, but I could easily see myself like losing to Danny or Isaiah or somebody like that this year. So uh but you know, still strong. I think it should I think I should be in the mix uh you know uh going forward. So uh shoot as long as as long as I'm in the playoffs bro, as long as I got a chance, like and I think I do have, like, a legitimate chance because I do have, like, some players who I think can have, like, some some really high finishes. I should be good, you know, competitive.
0: No, I agree 100%. I think you have, you know, just as good of a, a case as anybody to uh, win a championship and a really strong case to uh, repeat. your team. I mean, obviously, your team's really good. Um, at number one, we have my team, I think. Um, yeah, th- I mean, this isn't really surprising. My, my team... As um had injury issues last year. Uh I was in the grand final with you, so I don't think there's any 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 surprise that um our two teams are the are the favorites coming into the season at least by a projection standpoint. So it'll be interesting to see how this season pans out, man. We have a lot of new personalities in the league, a lot of new GMs. Like some of these guys are well equipped to make a run and you know guys like Isaiah and Danny, their teams are already good enough to win, and they still have draft capital and moves that they can make to make their rosters even better. You know what I mean?
1: I do. So, yeah, I do.
0: So it's going to be really interesting to see how the season pans out because, you know, we could be looking at a scenario where neither of us are in the, in the grand final, week 16. So, yeah, those are our power rankings. Let's recap real quick. We got V's at number 12, Chris at number 11, Anthony at number 10, Buck at number nine, Rio at number eight, Burke at number seven, Justin at number six, Tariq at number five, Danny at number four, Isaiah at number three, Kurt at number two, and myself at number one. Real quick, we only have three minutes left on this pod, Kurt. This is a brief segment before we close out that Rio suggested following our last pod, and we're going to talk about a few of the biggest Draft misses by Ace of Spades GMs over the past few years. And to be honest, bro, all of the funny ones came from two teams. Most of the funniest draft misses over the past few years came from Chris and Rio, right? Yeah. I I think, really, just for the sake of time, those are probably like the only ones worth mentioning because they're just, they're just. Funny. but um, you know I can't get enough of this obsession with Bucks. Uh, I'm sorry, not Bucks. Um, Buffalo Bills running backs by Rio. Two years in a row, he doubled down at the eighth spot. I think taking Devin Singletary in the first round over DK Metcalf and AJ Brown, and then he followed that up with taking Zach Moss in the first round. In Superflex over Joe Burrow, Tua, and Justin Herbert. Any any comments on those uh on on those draft selections by Rio over the past few years?
1: Big whiff, my brother. Big <laughs> whiff. And, and you know it's always funny too about Rio. Like uh, I I laugh at his uh strategy, like uh going into those drafts because he always trades back and then drafts a bus. It's like well, I'm trading back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he traded out of he traded out of the uh the Cam Akers pick to take Zach Moss. But he could have traded out of the Cam Akers pick and took, you know, quarterback. You know. But yeah, I, I think I thought it was funny, you know, Rio's gonna laugh. He's probably gonna have the dick look on his face when he listens to the podcast. because he was the one who who suggested the segment, and then I went back and looked at the draft. So I'm like, bro, the funniest draft misses actually came from you. And hey, but I will give Rio props before we close out. I will give him props because this year he actually drafted well. He traded he he traded back this year too, but he, and he drafted Javante Williams. I thought that was a good pick.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. That was a good pick. Uh, good thing Javante Williams didn't go to Buffalo. <laughs>
0: All right, all right. And the in the next the next uh, GM we'll talk about. We uh, we wanted to include like Justin in here too, but Justin hasn't had a draft pick since like 2016. So there were there were no picks of 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 his that we could actually <laughs> pin, you know, as as a draft miss. But Chris drafted uh, Nikhil Harry over um, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown in in the the 2018 draft. It's 2019 draft. I'm sorry. So that was a pretty big whiff. And in the 2018 draft, he took um Royce Freeman over DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, Nick Chubb, all those guys. So Chris is, Chris has had a rough go at it for the last, you know, few years in the draft, you know. Yeah, and I
1: I say like um I feel bad for Chris uh when it comes to like the like the draft sometimes cuz I feel like he makes the pick that's like the
0: the chalk pick. It's the one everybody tells him to make. Yeah, it's yeah. like okay, so it's like
1: you know, it's not like Chris is reaching for like somebody and going out on a limb and just making a bad pick. It's like he's making the pick that most people are making, and yeah. it just doesn't work out for him. It just kind of sucks. But
0: yeah, if for, for for a few years, one thing I will say about to to Chris is like just stop trading your first round pick too, I think that can be frustrating too. Like you go through a couple drafts and you miss on your first round pick. And you're like, well, fuck, I just want to trade my first four player. Yeah. You know, but in the situation, his team's, and I think it's just best served for him to hold on to to his picks and just try to continue to build the draft and um, maybe take some chances on some players that he's had up feelings about but passed on for the for the chalk picks in the past. But anyway, Kirk, that's it for the show, man. I had a lot of fun doing this. We, we kind of suck at keeping the podcast below, you know, 40 minutes. Actually, I think we're like 38, 39 minutes. I got to put the, the podcast together and see. Now we're like 40. But, uh it was a good show, man. I enjoyed going through the power rankings. It's something that we do pretty much every week during the regular season. So we'll figure out a way to condense it and fit it into um, a shorter segment. But it, this is our first time doing power rankings for the season, so I don't mind going a little bit over. Kurt, anything else you want to add to, you know, the power ranking segment last minute or any, any draft misses that are funny that you want to bring up before we close out the, the show and do the outro? Well, just, just a,
1: a, a note about the draft misses in general. A lot of the people who were notorious for the draft misses are no longer with us bro i don't <laughs> think that's a coincidence
0: hey i had to figure out how to fix the draft and i said fine <laughs> i'll do it myself and i, I <laughs> s- snapped my fingers and smoked them niggas yeah they gone. finito out of here Gone. yeah yeah i had to do that i had to do that to him anyway bro that's the show <laughs> I'm rambling man drop the outro I'll let you boys later thanks for tuning in and remember it's up there and it's stuck there Peace.